Hey guys, welcome to The Messy Table, an ordinary space for real women, imperfect stories, and the God who's faithfully at work in our mess. I'm Jen Jewell, the host of this Conversation Style podcast, which airs a brand new episode every other Tuesday. And today I have a co-host joining me. She's wise and passionate. She was actually on the podcast back on episode 18, my good friend, Davina Bress. Y'all, The Messy Table is partnered with our church, Life Church, and our sister's ministry, as well as the brave women from all over the globe who willingly offer their powerful stories and unique perspectives so that we might learn and grow. We are also huge advocates of the larger Capital C Church and big-time fans of the YouVersion Bible app, God's Word literally in our pockets wherever we go. If you don't already have that downloaded to your phone, you should totally go do that now. And while you're at it, you can subscribe to The Messy Table, both of which are absolutely free. While I wish we could all be doing this face-to-face, preferably over hot coffee and some kind of sugary pastry, I'm also grateful for this space. Modern technology allows us to connect on a practical level, but the powerful name of Jesus is what unites our very souls. And I love Revelation 12:11, which tells us that our enemy is conquered by Jesus's perfect sacrifice on the cross and by the words of our testimonies, boldly speaking what God has done in our actual lives. So this proverbial table exists very simply to glorify God and encourage each other as we share these pieces of our own stories and His faithfulness. Because our lives are made of stories, not just one story, not five stories, but story upon story, day after day. Some of these stories are beautiful and we proudly show them off on Instagram, but others are more challenging, difficult, even horrific. And we'd rather tuck them deep into shadowy corners instead of bringing them out into the light. But our guest for episode 54 is courageously going there. Tony McFadden is a wife, speaker, mama of four who not only has a messy redemptive story, but is also a bright spark of hope. I do want to give you a heads up due to the sensitivity of today's conversation that we are talking about hope after abortion. Such a topic is hard and heavy and even heartbreaking, but God is big enough to handle it. And I pray we'll also have the audacity to listen, to hear, to value grace and truth and even more grace. Statistics show that one in four women in the United States have had an abortion, yet so many have walked through this pain in silence, in secret. So for anyone who feels like they've been disqualified, we invite you to take another look because God wastes nothing, and nothing is outside of the bounds of His relentless grace. Guys, Tony's willingness to show up honestly, to break the silence, and to step into the hard things so that others might find freedom is incredibly refreshing. You also won't believe the twist in her story or how God orchestrated this little chat in the first place. So grab your coffee, pull up a chair, and join Davina and me as we chat with Tony. Tony, welcome to the messy table. I'm so excited to be here. This is crazy. It's really crazy. So Tony lives in Pennsylvania. And I'm in your house right now. And you're in my house (laughs) in Oklahoma. And there's more to that story, which is crazy. So So fun. And then we also have Davina Breast here with us who shared her story back on episode 18. Yes, 18. It's one of my favorites. I know I shouldn't have favorites, but one of my favorites. You happen to be in town today. Her husband is doing a wedding tonight, and so she lives a few hours away, but she is in town. We already had plans to get coffee, and so I was just like, please come join us, co-host with me. 
So thank you for being here too. Yeah, absolutely. I'm looking forward to it. I got to hear a little tiny bit of Tony's story and I'm looking forward to hearing more. Kind of before we dig into that, I would love to hear just a little bit about yourself, kind of what would give us a sneak peek into your daily life. My daily life. It's a little insane. I have four kiddos, ages eight, seven, six, and four. I yeah. homeschooled them for a little bit for like three years, but then I was like, time to go to school. <laughs> Good yeah. for you. Well, Davina homeschools. <laughs> yeah. So. I mean, it takes a lot. It does. But when the fourth one was coming up too, I was like, let's reevaluate this. But no, they're great. They go to a private school right now and they're thriving there. And it was definitely what God had for them for this season. I've been married for almost 10 years and June will be 10 years. So Woo-hoo. yes, my husband's amazing. He's very wise and total opposite of me in so many ways, but it just works. So it's a little bit about me. So I want to try to kind of set up how this happened so that everyone listening can hear. Basically, what kind of stirred a heart to bring up the topic that we're going to discuss today was that recently, I feel like I have just talked to woman after woman who had an abortion Mm -hmm. and they are still experiencing just such guilt and shame and And honestly, it just, it broke my heart and I couldn't sleep and I was up at night and, you know, there's so much kind of going on in our country right now. I think that's triggering this for Mm -hmm. a lot of women. And so I just was praying. I'm like, God, just bring the right person at the right time. If you want this to be talked about at the messy table. And I have several friends who this is a part of their story, um, but not everyone's necessarily ready to share publicly. Understandably. Yeah. And so anyway, through kind of a series of events, I had people reaching out to me that I didn't know from other states saying, Hey, I feel like God put it on my heart just to send this email Um, keep your eyes open, keep your ears open, people who have this as a part of their story and either have experienced healing and want others Mm -hmm. to as well, Mm -hmm. or they haven't fully experienced that healing. Mm -hmm. So then a friend of a friend (laughs) like tagged you in something and said you would be an amazing guest. And anyway, there's kind of a whole slew of things that happen in the meantime. Amazing. And then you happened to be coming to Oklahoma for my first time ever. You've never been to Oklahoma visit a friend. You already had plane tickets. I already had plane tickets and God just worked it out. Yes. My husband was like, I said, they're totally on opposite sides of the state. I think he's like, rent a car. I think you're supposed to be there. Like that doesn't just happen. This is God calling you to do this. And, you know, I've been sharing my story for a long time, but I feel like just even this past year, God's been calling me to share it in a mm-hmm. more deeper way, more detailed. Mm-hmm. And he's been opening doors. Yes, mm-hmm. because I wasn't sharing like I am now for about eight years when I was home with my kids right. and raising them. And then last year, I really felt like he told me to start speaking again. And then shortly after that, you know, all the stuff in our country happening with abortion and the unplanned movies. So I feel like for such a time as this, mm-hmm. he wants to see those who have experienced this healed. And he's the only one that can bring that healing. Mm-hmm. Like it's not going to come from any other place or anywhere. So mm-hmm. I'm willing to do that. 
Um, but we are, though it's difficult right. <laughs> to share. Well, we are grateful for your willingness. And and we became friends like automatically. I know. Like I was telling Dina, I'm like, you're going to love her. <laughs> so thank you for having me. Well, absolutely. So you do have an unlikely powerful story and mm-hmm. we would be so honored if you would share it with us. Yeah. I love to um, start where I think my eyes just began to open up just a tiny bit. And I wasn't a believer, but I was a senior in high school. And I remember sitting in the waiting room of an abortion clinic and my boyfriend was sitting right across from me and my best friend was sitting next to me. And in that moment, I was just like, how did I get here? Like, you know, I don't want to be here, but I feel like this is my only option because when my boyfriend and my best friend found out that I was pregnant, they were the only two people I told. And they said, you can't keep the baby. And my boyfriend said, you don't want to keep it. And I was fearful. Like, Mm -hmm. and so I remember sitting there and thinking, this is my only option and I'm scared. You know, I'm supposed to about to graduate. Like my parents wouldn't expect this of me. Mm -hmm. And I just remember thinking, really, it's because of the decisions I've probably made my entire life. Like we have this foundation that we're building for our lives and we're either building on what's true or whatever, maybe our culture, whatever it is we gravitate Mm -hmm. to. But if it's not Christ, we're grabbing a hold to anything. And I'm in this vulnerable place and I go in the back and I lay on the table and my boyfriend actually doesn't come back there with me. My best friend came because, of course, I'm wanting him to come with me, but he doesn't. And I'm laying on the table to get an ultrasound because they said I had to be at least four weeks pregnant before they would even do the abortion. Mm. And they did the ultrasound. And for some reason, I wanted to see the monitor. They had it conveniently faced away from me. And the nurse said, you know, I don't really think that's a really good idea for you to see that. And I insisted and she turned the monitor around and it's like a little circle, you know, bobbing, mm-hmm. you know, and at this point I'm still uneducated and not realizing by 14 days, your baby has a heartbeat. And she says to me, see, it's just the size of a pea. It's nothing. Those words actually gave me comfort because I'm thinking, mm-hmm. okay, it's not a baby. It's nothing. It doesn't even look like a baby. And I went in the back and they did the RU486 um, chemical abortion Mm -hmm. where they give you pills to take that the doctor said this will stop the baby. Well, he didn't say baby. He said fetus from growing. And they're very cold, just to the point. Here you go. This is what's going to happen. You're going to go home. You're going to take these pills. We have two sets for you. And then you're going to cramp a little bit and bleed. So I did what they told me. But one of the things that I remember is when we left that place, I couldn't wait to get out of there. And I laid on the back seat of my best friend's car while her and my boyfriend carried on a conversation as if nothing mm. happened. And I just was silently crying in the mm-hmm. back mm-hmm. for something that's legal. You, you feel the shame like in right away, not everyone I think feels guilt right away. But for me personally, I just felt right away like what did I just do? Mm. And I can't go back and change that now. My boyfriend decides he's not going to talk to me anymore Mm. after this. I'm calling him. He's not answering my calls. We had like beepers back then, (laughs) aging myself right now. (laughs) 
So no cell phones. But, you know, not answering my calls, coming home from school, being like, did he call me back? No, he's not calling me. I take this first set of pills and I cramp just a little bit. And I don't mean to be graphic, but I just want to tell you exactly what I experienced because I think it's important. I only bled a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I had in my head, oh, it was just the size of a pea. Maybe I'm not going to bleed that much. So I call them and they were very short with me, not very helpful in this point, And just said, oh, just take this second set of pills. You'll cramp a little bit and you'll bleed and you'll be fine. So I take the second set mm-hmm. and I'm at my friend's house when I do this because I didn't want to be around, be at home mm-hmm. to do this. Is this the same best friend? Yeah, same best friend. And... Again, just a little cramping. And I just thought, okay, maybe that's that's it. Two months later, I'm in school and I get the most excruciating pains I've ever felt in my entire life. Mm-hmm. I had a friend had to walk me all the way to the nurse's office because I couldn't even walk. That's how much pain I was in. And again, this is graphic, but this is what happened. Um I had, I went to the bathroom. I had blood clots probably the size of my fist. Mm. Did you know what was happening? In that moment, yeah. I knew. I said, this is what they meant. And this is not just a little cramping. And this is not just a little bleeding at all. I, of course, I'm afraid to tell the nurse. I'm afraid to tell my mom. I just Mm -hmm. lied to the nurse and said, I need to go home. I have really, really bad cramps. My mom came and picked me up because she'd picked me up before for things like this. And I went home. I went upstairs. Same thing. This was like hours. Mm -hmm. And I just remember laying in fetal position in my bed, just praying that this would be over soon. And even though I've gone through a lot of healing and we'll talk about that, um, I can't remember past that day. Like I cannot remember. And I probably should have gone to the hospital. And so this is what they're saying. Oh, this is privacy in your own home. You know, you just go home and you do this. And that was so traumatizing Mm. to not only deal with a broken heart because my boyfriend just up and left me. We just aborted our baby and I'm going through it all by myself. That breaks my heart. And... I just kind of um, spiraled out of control after that, I think, and not even connecting the mm-hmm. pieces. He was the first person I had ever been with. And I just thought, well, it doesn't matter now. Like, so I had a lot of meaningless mm-hmm. relationships. Like, and, I've already gone there. So, yeah, like it didn't matter anymore. And, guys were my idol. They gave me my worth, you know? So I, for a few years, I just kind of spiraled out of control. And I always had a sense that God was real. I knew Jesus Christ died on, but I was not a believer. Mm -hmm. And my parents would go to church here and there, but it wasn't consistent and it didn't change who we were day to day. It didn't change the way we processed (laughs) our life or our decisions or anything like that. So I transferred to Westchester University because something in me a few years later was like, I got to get out of this town. I was just in my hometown. I went to college there for like a year or so. I was like, I got to get out of this town. And I transferred there. And while I was there, 
I went through another breakup. <laughs> it was like, I don't even know how many breakups I had gone through. And it's crazy because you want someone who is going to be committed to you, but you don't even know what it means to be committed and you do not know how to do relationships, but it's what we long for because it's what we're created for. Like we're created for relationship, but you know, Jesus defines those for us. Mm -hmm. And when we don't have that, they're so superficial. I don't know this obviously at the time, but a friend down the hall invited me to a meeting on campus, Campus Crusade for Christ. And it was on a Thursday, which on college campus was Thirsty Thursday. So usually I would go out to the bar with my friends. And for some <laughs> reason, I decided, you know what? I'll go. I'm a Christian. No, I wasn't. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't, that doesn't, like, that might be cool to go to. So mm -hmm. I remember walking in, there's about 200 students there. And the band is at the bottom of the, I guess it's not a stadium, but you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. I walk in. And they're singing the worship song and just, I just see their hands raised mm -hmm. and I see the expression on their faces. And I'm like, what, like mm -hmm. they're choosing. This is not the club. This is not the club. <laughs> <laughs> and they're choosing to be here on their own. Mm -hmm. Their parents aren't saying, hey, on Thursday, you better be at Like they're wanting to be here. And I could tell from the expression on their faces. And I was at Westchester as a vocal performance major. So the music. See, you can sing. Okay. I knew it. A little bit. A little bit. <laughs> she was putting on earlier. Like, <laughs> I oh, I can sing a little Just bit. a little bit. I'm okay. I wouldn't try out for American Idol or anything, but, you know. <laughs> Look, and she's even self-aware. <laughs> so you're actually probably really good. So um, <laughs> I was drawn to the music just like, wow, like mm. this is amazing. Like the community that they had. And so I walk in and I'm just standing there and I'm just like listening to the music. And I just knew they have something mm -hmm. that I don't have. And they're happy. And I remember, I hope she doesn't mind me saying this, my friend Katie, she became my friend. She has red hair and she comes up to me. She's like, hey, my name's Katie. And I'm like, whoa, like you're really nice. <laughs> you know, and she's like, I do the Bible studies in your dorm. She's like, I would love to meet up. And I'm like, okay, you know, sure. So that night I go back into my dorm room and my roommate was gone. She went home early and I walk in, I just start bawling my eyes out. Mm -hmm. I shut the door, I fall on my bed and I didn't say like this sinner's prayer, but I just was like desperate. Mm -hmm. Like, I want to change so bad and I ha I don't even know where to start. I don't even know. I don't like who I am. Mm -hmm. I keep going from relationship to relationship. And you can't do it on your own. And I can't. Yeah. And I felt like in that moment, God saved my soul. Like mm -hmm. he set that night up just for me. And I just remember waking up the next morning, like having this hunger and it wasn't like I opened my Bible, but I was like, there's something mm. different. There's something stirring in my heart. And about an hour or two later here, knock, knock, knock. It's Katie. Hey, Tones. <laughs> I was like, you're the only one that can call me Tones. Okay. <laughs> like nobody else. <laughs> and she's like, you want to have lunch? And I was like, yeah, I would love to. And she started discipling me. 
And I'd say to my kids all the time, who you surround yourself with reveals a lot about who you are. So choose your friends wisely. Mm-hmm. And I just started surrounding myself with people and I lost friends because mm-hmm. all of a sudden I didn't want to go to the bar. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden I didn't want to wear the same things I used to wear. Like all these like little gradual changes. I'm like, God is so kind. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. He's, he's like not so a tyrant. Gentle. No. Mm-hmm. And I look back and I'm like, whoa, there was still so much that needed to be changed. But all he wanted was my heart mm-hmm. and for me to be willing. And so I just began to just follow him. And I would get up at six in the morning before my eight o'clock class. And I would just read the word. And I related a lot to Mary, like sitting at his feet. Like, I'm so like, I know how wicked I am. Like, mm-hmm. I I know I need a savior. And I know like what you did. I understand now what mm-hmm. you did on the cross for me. Mm-hmm. And it's not just a saying to me anymore. It's like, oh, this is what it means to be a Christian. Like, mm-hmm. I get it now. Before it was like, what was I thinking? Mm. You know, you're so blind to. Right. Yes. I love that, though. In your room, like you were saying, you didn't have the words, but it was just the cry of your soul. It mm-hmm. actually reminds me a lot. Well, this detail as far as of your story, Davina, mm-hmm. because I remember you talking about that certain things that you felt like the peace that passes understanding things that you you hadn't read your Bible. You didn't mm-hmm. know that this was even a gift. Yeah. But it was true in your life. Yeah. Absolutely. It's just amazing. Even just hearing your story, how God meets us exactly where we are Mm -hmm. and he gives us exactly what we need for that moment. He knew what it was in your life that you needed to fill that void that you were feeling and that he would just take little by little, a little bit of that old self away, 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 which then set you up for where your path continued to lead. Which Mm -hmm. is amazing for what he was leading me to like, it was like these little obediences. And one of the ones that I began to follow was to minor in communications. Mm -hmm. I had no idea really why, Mm -hmm. but I was like, I'm going to minor in communications, I think, because I need a job after I graduate and I didn't want to teach music Mm -hmm. and I didn't know how to play piano. So I'm like, I can't give vocal lessons. (laughs) So I was like, what am I going to do with my life? And I started communications and I remember standing in front of the students and there was a lot of football players in my class. And I stood up there and told them that I was going to save sex for marriage. And that was what my presentation was on and why Mm -hmm. I was waiting now. And I mean, they were looking at me like, what crickets? (laughs) But then afterwards, one-on-one, they were like, well, I think that's pretty cool what you're doing. And I couldn't do it, but that's, you know, (laughs) that kind of thing. But then all of a sudden I realized like God has placed other gifts in me. And this was just another stepping stone that I had no idea what he was preparing me for. I was Mm -hmm. just walking in obedience at this time. And I shared my testimony at Campus Crusade and how, you know, I had been sexually active before marriage Mm -hmm. and how now I was waiting because someday I want to get married and I want whoever I married to be able to trust me and actions speak louder than words. So I'm rebuilding who I am and what I meant by that. Mm -hmm. Like God's Mm -hmm. rebuilding me and I'm wanting him to heal me of the wrong thinking I've had for so long Mm -hmm. and um, for him to kind of show me what, who I am as a woman and who he's created me to be because I always had to have a boyfriend. Like I was Mm -hmm. never like not with someone. And so now I was like, Lord, I don't want to be with anyone. Nothing. I just want to be with you and for Mm -hmm. you to show me. 
who I am. Right. And when you say you shared your testimony, you were sharing about being sexually active, yes. but you weren't, there was a part of it that you weren't sharing. And that was about the abortion. The abortion. I was a Christian for about a year mm-hmm. and had not told anyone that. And you didn't plan to. And I didn't plan to. And what solidified that was I would walk to work and sometimes people would be standing outside of the courthouse or wherever in the corner in the main part of Westchester. And maybe they would have the signs out with aborted babies on the pictures and they would hand out stuff to you. Mm-hmm. And I remember just thinking, walking past them one day and um, someone handed me something and I just thought to myself, I can't ever share with them. Like, I don't think Christians are going to forgive me. Mm. This is the one thing I think I'll just take with me to the grave. Like, I'm not going to tell anyone. But God is not satisfied with keeping us where Mm -hmm. we're at. He didn't die to just just so I could go to heaven. Like, he wants me to live Mm. in freedom here Mm -hmm. and now. And he knew I wasn't ready that Mm -hmm. whole year. And I think that was fine. But he was preparing me. Mm-hmm. As I look back, I could see like the little nudges. But what brought me to a place of being able to share was I was about to graduate and a friend of mine from church said, what are you going to do after graduate? And I was like, I have no idea. Mm-hmm. And he said, you should talk to my friend, Melissa. She speaks in schools on saving sex for marriage. And he had heard me share my story at Campus Crusade. He's like, I think you'd be really good at that. I was like, oh, that sounds awesome. What he didn't tell me is that she worked for a crisis pregnancy center. So I decided to meet with her and we sat in the cafe and she began to share with me what she did. And she was telling me little bits and pieces of the presentation and my heart starts beating Mm. like that Mm -hmm. holy spirit like (laughs) oh gosh Mm -hmm. oh lord and after she said you know i work for amnion crisis pregnancy center and i'm like oh my lord like and i just felt the nudge of the lord saying you're gonna share all of your story (laughs) not just so bossy yeah so bossy you know and it was gentle but firm Mm -hmm. and I just remember looking at her and saying, I have something to tell you that I've never told anyone. And I began to share my story with her and she started to cry. Mm. And that was one breakdown of healing because she didn't judge me. She wasn't Mm. like, oh, that's horrible. You know, Mm -hmm. it was the first thing she said was, do you know how many girls need to hear your story? Yes. And it gave it purpose, Mm -hmm. you know, something I hid in the dark for so long. Mm -hmm. God used her to kind of awaken that it's not going to be what I think it's going to be. And so I think I kind of have a fighter spirit anyway. But I said to her, if I'm going to do this, I need to go home and tell my parents because mm-hmm. I can't stand in front of a whole bunch of strangers mm-hmm. and tell them this. Oh gosh, that had to be nerve wracking. Oh my goodness. But I trusted God in it. And I trusted that he was going to be faithful to me in this. And it was just another layer of understanding who I am, understanding that he is the God who heals and he didn't want to keep me in this place because 
that was affecting me in so many ways that I probably didn't even realize. And so I went home and I shared with my parents and it was, I think, better than maybe what some people may experience. Mm-hmm. You know, they were very understanding. And I know that's not the case for for everyone. Some people may tell their family and it's like, I don't mm-hmm. want to hear that or I don't mm-hmm. want to, they deny. Mm-hmm. But I think for my parents, my mom was heartbroken because it happened under her roof and she had no clue. Mm-hmm. And I told her, like, I lied to you though. You know, I don't, I didn't want her to, put a burden on herself because of this. But they had seen my life change so much that it was a lot easier, I think, for them mm-hmm. to hear what I what mm-hmm. I went through. But it was that they lost one of their mm-hmm. grandchildren. Like mm-hmm. that's the reality is I aborted their grandchild. And, you know, that's the kind of thing you don't want to think about. But mm-hmm. That is, that was the reality. You know, as you're talking about this, I just want to, we know this, but kind of bring to our mind that there are really three types of women that are probably listening to this or three types of women that we are. And that's someone who has had an abortion and Mm -hmm. you could probably speak to the statistics, but Mm -hmm. I know it's a really high number Mm -hmm. someone who might be considering an Mm -hmm. abortion or someone who maybe abortion isn't a part of their story, but we all have our mm-hmm. own yes. junk, our own messy story, our own sin. That's why scripture says we have all fallen short mm-hmm. of the glory of God. Yeah. And so I just wanted to take a second so that yeah. none of us, or if someone is on a high horse, let's just step off of that. Yeah. Step off of the pedestal because we're all guilty before holy God, just like yes. you said, and we all need, need a savior. Mm-hmm. So the playing field is equal. Yeah. And that's what was so beautiful about sharing that with my friend, Melissa, because she almost had like this perfect story, but she understood like before the cross were the same. Right. And that's why it was like, wow, I could share this with her. And Mm -hmm. there was a healing Mm -hmm. again that took place in that. And so and even from my parents, mm-hmm. and even though at that time they weren't really walking strongly with the Lord, I think that spoke volumes to them that I'm going to take my weaknesses and share it because you didn't have to. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. So you're going to go in front of kids, which is like, that's like the hardest audience to talk to is well, teenagers. Yes. Yes. And you're going to share the most shameful part mm-hmm. for me. You know, and I said, yeah, because number one, kind of the three different one. Number one, there's probably girls that I'm going to talk to who are considering abortion. Mm-hmm. Number two, there's probably ones that have had an abortion. Mm-hmm. And there's some who are sitting there who will probably never, but maybe they're going to encounter someone yes. and they mm-hmm. need to walk alongside them with love and mm-hmm. yes. knowing how to care for someone. Oh, yes. who, I think I told you on the phone when we chatted before, but when I was ninth or 10th grade, I had a small group leader who bravely and boldly decided to tell us little ninth, 10th grade students Mm -hmm. about, and her husband was on staff at at our church either at the time or later, but about her past and she had had an abortion and I will never forget. She wept. She told us when that baby's due date was, Mm -hmm. 
She talked about the regret. She talked about though the healing and the redemption. Mm-hmm. And so even though that's not my story, yeah. that mm-hmm. did something in me. I think even from that day on, I had a different level of empathy mm-hmm. and compassion mm-hmm. and yeah. respect. Mm-hmm. For her boldness mm-hmm. and bravery, because she didn't have to tell a yeah. bunch of teenage girls yeah. what she had been through. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. you're saying, why would she boast in her weakness? Right. Mm-hmm. Only yeah. Jesus. Yes. It, I mean, I love that verse in our weakness. He is strong. Mm-hmm. And that's what carried me too. And he put a verse on my heart as I was walking through the healing. And what the healing looked like for me was number one, acknowledging that I had an abortion. Mm-hmm. Like it happened. And it was wrong and it was sin and it was killing my unborn baby. Like that is the reality of it. They like to use different language to make it sound better, but that's what I did. But through that, I chose to sit in my pain and I chose to look at it. And at the crisis pregnancy center that I worked with, they had a Bible study called Forgiven and Set Free. And it was a 12 week Bible study by Mm -hmm. Linda Cochran that walked you through, you know, the healing and the reality of it and scripture to kind of help you see the hope after. Right. Because you can't go back and change it. You can't. You can't. Mm -mm. I have a friend that did Healing Hearts, which is another one. Healing Hearts. Yeah. There's Mm -hmm. a few out there. There's also a ministry called Deeper Still, Mm -hmm. and it's a weekend retreat where you gather with other women who've had an abortion and they get to walk through the healing process. Mm -hmm. And that's really powerful. But I think you touched on something powerful and um, some friends of mine who have gone through something similar have also kind of alluded to this, this need to grieve. Mm -hmm. I think it's an important part of it. Mm -hmm. Like acknowledging this happened and Mm -hmm. that you lost a baby. Mm -hmm. You know, another common thread I feel like that I've noticed and you alluded to this, but when you made the decision, it was out of desperation. And I'm sure there are other women who maybe have different stories, but every single person that I have ever talked to, 100% of them felt completely desperate. Mm -hmm. And then again, 100% of them have regretted that decision. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was all fear for me. It was all fear of, I'm supposed to graduate, fear of my parents. And I feel like the abortion clinics kind of feed off of your fear. We're helping you get rid of the problem, but mm-hmm. you're still leaving there a mother mm-hmm. that just doesn't have a baby. You wow. Know? And I remember Lila Rose, she's a girl that goes out and is really defends life. And I remember her saying that and being like, whoa, that is powerful. Like mm-hmm. you're, you're still a mother without your baby. But like you said, if you have made that decision, mm-hmm. you can't go back. Yeah. And so- one of my great friends that I was talking to, she was saying that something that she needed to hear, that there is still hope for you. Your story mm-hmm. is not over. God is yeah. big enough. There mm-hmm. is no such thing as something that God cannot forgive. Yeah. So I chose to say, okay, I'm going to look at this. I'm going to allow Jesus to heal me and I'm going to walk through this pain, whatever that's going to look like. And then he gave me moments where I had a dream about my baby. And at the time I was trying to figure out how old he would have been. And I didn't know it was a boy yet, but in my dream is when I realized it was a boy, but I was like, okay, the baby would have been about three years old. And I remember journaling about him. And that was another healing process is that I would journal like, I'm sorry. Like I didn't, 
I don't know why, like I shouldn't have mm. done this. And I fell asleep and I had this dream. I was on the top of a staircase and I was holding a little boy and he was like three, four years old and his little hand was rubbing my back and I could feel someone behind us, but I couldn't see. And I'm crying. And my baby says to me, she's mom, look at the colors on the ground. And there was all these bright colors, but then he points out one color. He said, look, crimson red. And right away, I just thought of Jesus's blood. Like it is covered. It it is done. Mm -hmm. And in that moment, I felt like not only has Jesus forgiven me? He comes and he meets me with mm-hmm. my baby and says, he forgives you too. And I remember waking up and writing every, that's how I know, know every detail mm. about that is that was a healing thing for me. And that was a point of saying, I don't have to live in the shame. Like this is God's gift to me to mm-hmm. say it's done. Like that's what my blood does. It you no longer have to be identified with that. Like Mm -hmm. that when I look at you, I see my son, like I'm not seeing all your failures. And so that plus going through the uh, Bible study and then I had a memorial service with my best friends and my counselor. And I wrote a song for him and I played the song and we had a white rose that represented his life. And Mm -hmm. I mean, I wept like it was like he is no longer a statistic. He has a name. He is in heaven with Jesus. I'm Mm going to see him one day. And every time I share my story, I'm giving purpose to his life. Mm -hmm. And again, not everyone has to go and share openly like this. But God wants to heal you. So look for those moments of him trying to heal you. And Mm -hmm. you have a choice to allow him to come in and you know, and well, do that. And like you said, not everybody has to share their story from a stage or a yeah. microphone or publicly, yeah. but Davina and I were kind of talking about this earlier, but how we find forgiveness from God, mm-hmm. but we find healing from others. Yeah. And so confession mm-hmm. and repentance, yeah, those kind of foundational mm-hmm. things in scripture yeah. are real things mm-hmm. that actually practically help us move on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I love how part of your story is the confession piece. Um, One of the things that has been so impactful for me as I think about confession is actually just a kind of obscure verse in um, Joshua 7 that we may not even notice, but it's right when Joshua is looking in the eyes of someone who has sinned and because of his sin, Mm, all of the Israelites have faced um, repercussions from it. And he tells him to glorify God and confess to him. And then he tells him to confess to me, he, he, Joshua. And what I love about that is that God can be glorified in our confession, Mm -hmm. not just our confession to him, because that's where the repentance piece comes in. And that's where the forgiveness from God comes in. But like Jen's saying, there's such powerful healing when we will confess to somebody that we can look in the eyes and they can look back at us, mm-hmm. not with judgment, but with love and mm-hmm. grace and truly being the hands and feet of Jesus yes. so that we can feel that tangible mm-hmm. forgiveness. And that's what allows us to move on and to walk on allowing those things in our life to take on that purpose that God has for mm-hmm. them. So I love yeah. to see how he has done that through the confession mm-hmm. that you experienced and through the repentance. It's beautiful. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. The darkness loses power when it's brought yes. to the light. Amen. Yes. And God is so amazing because he was not done. I took over the relationship education program with the speaking in the schools with the crisis pregnancy center my friend she got married and so I took over and we were speaking in more schools and it was going great and around 26 years old was when I was like oh god can I get married you know I would like to get married now I got mm-hmm. saved when I was 21 but um he still had some work to do in me and which was was fine you know 26 27 28 years old um I remember what, well, what I didn't realize is someone was looking for me for about two years. And this person was looking for me because little do I know God had grabbed a hold of their hearts and was really just setting them up and impacting their lives so much that they understood what relationships were really supposed to be. And God had put people on their hearts that they needed to go back and apologize to. And so I remember the same boy that sat in that abortion clinic with me 10 years later sits across from me (laughs) in a restaurant asking me for forgiveness Mm -hmm. not realizing both of us had become believers like hadn't seen each other in 10 years never ran into each other nothing the same guy that broke your heart same guy that broke my heart my first love also is the same man that put a ring on my finger. And as I said earlier, we've been married for almost 10 years and God has blessed us with four beautiful children. Oh and my gosh. Like talk about redemption. That is insane. And I would share our story in the classroom year after year after year. And I've forgiven him. God was like, oh no, you can, it's going to, the forgiveness is going to go deeper than that I remember sitting across from him in the restaurant and him tears in his eyes just like so regretful for the way that he treated me Mm -hmm. the fact that we aborted our baby and and then he had kind of a whole story in between oh my goodness his story is like like he was in prison yeah like he was in and out of jail he was mm-hmm. supposed to go to prison for like eight years. Drugs, right? <laughs> Drugs. Yeah. Drug related. Went through Pennsylvania Adult and Teen Challenge. That's how he got saved. Mm-hmm. Wow. Became the janitor and now is the first president and CEO of Pennsylvania Adult and Teen Challenge who's ever gone through the program. Oh, my word. I mean, you can't make this stuff no, up. No, no. And so sometimes we'll speak together and... It's just amazing the redemption when you trust God and you allow him to work. And I tell that to girls all the time, let God write your story Mm -hmm. because I thank God for like protecting my heart and saving my heart for my husband and allowing him to work Mm -hmm. all of those details because he's so detailed. Mm -hmm. Um, His redemption is just amazing to me. We look at each other sometimes and we're like, how are we married? It's crazy. It is so crazy. But I couldn't imagine being married to anyone else. And God just continued to even heal that. You know, we had a completely different relationship than we had in high school. Better than new. Like way better. So what did that conversation look like? (laughs) First, he found me on Facebook. Okay. Of course. Of course. And I was like, what is going on? Like, like random. Nuh-uh. Yeah. My walls were definitely up yeah. because he was like, I'm a Christian now and I just really need to talk to you. And I have some things I want to say and I don't want it to be like over 
texting or and he said, well, I don't have a car. And I was like, well, I don't know what you're going to do because I'm not trying <laughs> I'm Too not bad. coming to get you. You better figure it out. So he figured it out and he came to Westchester. And I remember I walked in and he was sitting already. And I thought, I see God in him already. Mm-hmm. Like he yeah. hadn't even said a word. And I remember saying this in a classroom because the girls would be like, well, how do you know you can trust him? And I said, because he was already the man I needed him to be long before he ever came back into my life. Like he, Mm. I didn't feel like I needed to change him or anything. So, wow. Such an incredible story that both you and your husband have. And I love how um, you both came from places of deep brokenness, but you Mm. were able to really grasp onto the love and forgiveness that Christ offers us. It seems as though, like you've actually already mentioned, women who have had an abortion have a hard time really grasping onto that forgiveness Mm -hmm. that comes when we trust Jesus, when we give him our lives, repent, confess, and then turn back towards him. Mm -hmm. How do you think that you were able to really embrace that forgiveness that he offers? Mm -hmm. I mean, I think for anyone, whatever you're going through, if you're not in the word, because it gives you your identity and reinforces the truth because we're bombarded with lies mm-hmm. constantly. And so I think that's why in Romans it says, take every thought captive because our minds are so powerful mm-hmm. and what we believe our actions follow those things. Mm-hmm. And so I really had to immerse myself in the word and then other people speaking into my life and choosing to believe that the cross is enough yeah, mm. and he is enough. And it's a choice. It's a choice to believe like I can't wait into my feelings. My feelings will catch up eventually. Mm. But there were times when and there's still moments where I could go backwards and think, you know, I just watched the unplanned movie, that mo- new movie that came out. And I it brought me back to my own abortion. And Mm -hmm. I had to remind myself that does not define me. And so it's speaking that truth to yourself, Mm -hmm. having people around you who are speaking truth to you. And in those moments of vulnerability, when you're alone and you maybe don't have someone to reach out to, it's running to Christ in those moments and saying, please feed my soul with what is true Mm -hmm. instead of like the it's easier to gravitate sometimes to the lies it for is. some reason. I know. But I think the more we're even using the weaker things that we're in at, for a purpose mm-hmm. to serve other people and to help other people, it breaks off those lies. Because mm-hmm. I can share the story with anyone and I can speak about it to, you know, hundreds and hundreds of people is because I know the purpose behind it Mm -hmm. and I know who I am. I know who Christ made Mm -hmm. me to be. And so I don't, I honestly do not have that shame over me. And And that's available. Yes. I'm not special. To you listening (laughs) right now, if this is your story or like you said, this is a universal thing Mm -hmm. as far as, I mean, I deal with that, right? Like really need to come back to believing who I am in Christ Mm -hmm. and that, you know, something that I've done or something that I've thought like that doesn't define me. Right. So powerful. And just like you have to fight for your relationship in your marriage and Mm -hmm. you have to fight for your relationship with God because there's so many things bombarding us with lies that 
because the enemy doesn't want us to be free, mm-hmm. you know, because when you walk in freedom, there's there's just a power there that's yes. unstoppable. And well, we can see it in you. Oh, thank you. Which is amazing. And, you know, not everyone has a story to where they ended up marrying the yeah. man that they, mm-hmm. you know, I know that's rare. <laughs> it's so rare. It's so powerful. But regardless, that freedom is available mm-hmm. and God gently, lovingly mm-hmm. convicts our hearts, but he doesn't pour condemnation and right. shame on us. So if that's something mm-hmm. that you're hearing mm-hmm. on the tape recorder of your mind, yeah, that's not from God. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. And what I love too, is I had that freedom before my husband came along. Like mm-hmm. God had already set me free. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was a different level of healing yes, sure. with my husband, but I was already in that yes. place. And so it was just icing on the cake. Yeah. That was just a look. God was being a little extra. Just showing off. <laughs> He's so extra. I'm just so thankful. And I'm thankful for this season that I'm in now where I'm getting to speak more mm-hmm. and doing what God's called me to do and, and four beautiful kids and four beautiful kids. They're adorable. My son just got baptized and oh, just I like, that, uh, I can't even, cause I didn't grow up that way. Yeah. So for him to choose it and kept asking us, so I want to get baptized and understanding what I was just like, all right, Lord, like just setting a new foundation for my family. A different. Mm, yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Jen and I talk a lot about legacy yes. and how we have the opportunity to um, leave a beautiful legacy. And so yes. it's incredible to see how God getting hold of your and your husband's heart and mm-hmm. doing that transforming work inside of you has already had such a tremendous effect, not just on your kids, mm-hmm. but as you choose to go out and allow your pain to have purpose, mm-hmm. have a ripple effect and just affect all these other people. It's, yes. it's just such a beautiful legacy that mm-hmm. you're leaving. Thank you. It really is. And I love that you're choosing to break the silence because I think a lot of women are locked in Mm -hmm. silence. Yeah. They're feeling all the things that probably you did, Mm -hmm. but don't know how to start, how to, how to share, how to confess, how to vocalize. Mm -hmm. And so what would you go back and either tell maybe your teenage self, or if you could just tell someone listening right now, something that you just want them to know, Mm -hmm. what would you say? That there's hope in Christ and that your past does not have to determine your future. Mm -hmm. It does not have to define you. That that's why Christ came. Mm -hmm. He tore that veil so that we could have freedom. And it is real and it is available. And he's the only one that can bring healing. Like I would not be who I am if it wasn't for him. I would not even have a story to tell if it wasn't for him. And I long for that for other people. Yes. So if you're listening and you are still on the side of maybe you're not a believer or you are, but you're still struggling, ask Jesus to meet you in those moments mm-hmm. because he will again and again and again. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yes. I know you've mentioned a few ways that God helped you work through it. Do you have any other resources that you would recommend to others? Yeah, I mentioned the one Forgiven and Set Free by Linda Cochran. That is the Bible study I went through. I really love Jerry Bridges' Trust in God Even When Life Hurts. Me too. One of my favorites. I've read that one probably like four or five times. And then anything by Paul Tripp. Mm or Ed Mm -hmm. Welch, great resources, any of their books. Um, 
I think it's called um, Instruments in the Redeemer's Hands is the Paul Tripp one that I really, really love. It's powerful. And then, you know, I'm very open to if anyone wants to reach out to me personally. I've Mm -hmm. had people reach out to me just because I'm very open about my story. And if you want to talk, you can find me on Instagram or Facebook. Yeah, I'll link up your information in the conversation notes on my website. So yeah. Tony, thank you. You're welcome. This has been such a gift. Thank you. We are so glad that you flew from Pennsylvania <laughs> no, to Oklahoma this is the best. to have this, not to have this chat, but you were coming Part anyway to see your friend. <laughs> I know. Yeah. It's awesome. Thank you so much. Isaiah 1 18. Come now, let's settle this, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, I will make them white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, I will make them white as wool. Romans 5, 8, God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Romans 10, 9 through 10, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. Isaiah 44, 22, I have swept away your sins like a cloud. I have scattered your offenses like the morning mist. Oh, return to me, for I have paid the price to set you free. Guys, this stunning invitation is available to each one of us, not based on something we've done or something we didn't do, but based on what Jesus already did, what he finished on that cross, new life that was awakened on that first Easter Sunday over 2,000 years ago a gift that only needs to be accepted. If you happen to have a story that's similar to Tony's, or maybe you have a completely different story, but you know God's doing work on your heart, please don't stay trapped in silence. If you're willing, tell someone, a friend, your spouse, reach out to Tony, reach out to someone. You do not have to face this alone. Well, you can find links, resources, and Tony's information in the conversation notes on my website at jenjewel.com slash the messy table podcast. There you can join my personal email list. You can also find us on Instagram or subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Google Play. Hey, thanks again for meeting us here today, for listening. And as you go about your week, remember, yes, life is messy, but God is at work in your mess.